My pleasure to bring in the governor of the great state of Connecticut, Ned Lamont, joining us for our periodic talks today. Governor, good morning. Thanks for joining me for today. My most important question of the day, did you get your California avocados yet? No. I've been shortchanged on avocados after that dramatic Yukon win. I've got to remind Gavin Newsom he's got to come clean on this. And by the way, it was good to see you in person for those celebrations. Usually you're a voice and radio, so... That was great to be there with you for that celebration. Yeah, usually we see each other on the 4th of July, but uh, yeah, I did an interview with Co- with uh, Governor Lamont at halftime of the national championship game down there in Houston before the Huskies eventually won it. But I want to go back to this friendly wager that you guys placed with each other as you bet a basket of Connecticut-grown beer and wine and a collection of Munson's chocolates that UConn would win. And Governor Newsom replied he would wager a crate of California avocados that the Aztecs of San Diego State would take the title. So has it been talked about? I mean, how do they, not not just how does it get here, but then once they get to Connecticut, where do those avocados go? Who gets them? Uh, Well, I wanted to hand them out at the victory parade. I thought that'd be uh, kind of fitting. But I think in the meantime, um, our communications director, Adam Joseph, is sending a friendly reminder to California that we love California avocados and we're hungry. Now, I'm a California guy, so yes, of course, I love avocados, guac, and more, of course. And then uh, just give a little recap of your experience at the Celebration Parade in downtown Hartford. You were a part of that. That was the most moving um, parade. I, I was uh, you know, on the band there with uh, Adamas Sunoco. He was just quiet looking out in the crowd. You know, there he comes from a village in Mala. He's got 45,000 people cheering his name, taking that all in. And um, this is a group of uh, young men from all over the world, not just all over the country. And um, coming together as a team, hearing 45,000 people cheering them by name, it was moving. Very important thing took place in Connecticut last week. I believe it was Friday when the Gold Star Bridge had that car versus truck accident and the dramatic scenes we saw of the fire of the smoke you were there you were right there on the scene like you to recap what your vision was what you saw that day and then we got to get the update on where things stand now going forward with that important bridge we got out there um after hearing that um a car uh, lost a tire and ended up uh, colliding with a big tractor trailer truck that flipped Wayne, um, it was filled with a home heating oil. The old home heating oil um, ignited. The blooms of smoke could be seen for many miles. You could feel the heat from uh, 50 yards, 100 yards away. And the um, gas um, caught on fire and went running through the pipes on fire um, and uh, exhausted out into the Thames River where um, our environmental folks had to have a big boom to try and contain the flaming oil and get it back uh, on shore. Uh, and, you know, small message, you had a New London off-duty um, cop that uh, was driving by, coming back from a workout, and, um, you know, quickly grabbed uh, the two folks who were in the passenger vehicle and helped them uh, to safety. And I was a little surprised, I think a lot of people were, how quickly they were able to reopen it. So obviously you're convinced and your DOT commissioner, Garrett Ucolito, is convinced that it's safe to drive on that bridge now? Yeah, um, DOT, Department of Transportation, were, were, was out there uh, very quickly. The first thing you do is that extreme heat to see if there's any structural damage to the steel. And they uh, were very careful. Um, 
they kept the northbound lane open because that was an impact the whole time. And they uh, slowly got the southbound open as well. I think it took about 12 hours before they could say safely you could drive again. I've got your lieutenant governor coming in at 930 this morning to talk about a roundtable discussion that she was involved in yesterday right across the street from me here in Willimantic on the overdose mortality rate and available resources in Connecticut. I'm sure you were somewhat attuned to what she was doing with that. You want to say a couple of words about where that stands? I can tell you that um, the opioid epidemic and mental health issues um, are still uh, endemic. And uh, we we are hitting that head on. I think that's what, um, you know, Susan Bysowitz was there at Willimannock talking about uh, our efforts there, making sure we get the young people early and, uh, you know, head them off, uh, doing everything we can to hold people accountable when it comes to opioids, if they were prescribing this or over-prescribing this, a lot of the inadvertent uh, addictions that took place and occasional deaths, uh, the fentanyl that is out there right now, lacing um a lot of things that, um, you know, you thought it was just um, something more innocuous, and it's poison. We're going after those people, uh, law and order, very severely. So there's a multi-pronged attack upon this pandemic. And while the lieutenant governor was here, you were on your way to New Haven to announce details of a company that has decided to relocate its U.S. headquarters from out of state into Connecticut. Tell me about the New York-based FS Modular and what this means to the economy of Connecticut. It's a big win, um, and I love what they're doing. They provide, you know, modular housing at a lot less cost, a lot faster to build, and it's uh, very energy efficient. And uh, they're relocating from Brooklyn to Hamden, Connecticut. They're going to build their factory there. One reason they wanted to be there is because easy access to a gateway, the port, in a New Haven, so they can get their modular um, walls out and spread them all over uh, the Northeast by sea. Uh, so it's a it's a really nice win. It shows you how even construction is evolving and getting a lot more efficient, a lot less costly. It just reminded me of the same way that we now do our bridges off-site and then drop them over the highway. So instead of closing down that highway for months on end, you could often do it in less than a week. Yeah, I've seen that happen on I-84 a couple of times, too. And even though that's going to be Hamden, New Haven, which is like an hour away from us here, doesn't something like that have a trickle-down effect on the statewide economy that might have a positive effect on what's going on here in our part of the state? Well, absolutely, Wayne. I mean, um, it's not just the jobs in that region. It's the fact that we desperately need housing. We're making our biggest commitment to housing, particularly workforce housing ever. I know how badly it's needed and, um, you know, um, Northeast Connecticut, Willimannock, and um, and if we can build that housing at 30 40% less cost and build it a 40 or 50% faster, it really allows us to achieve our goals. Speaking of housing, our mayor, Tom DeVivo, gave me some questions he wants me to ask you, and that was one of them. He says, you talk a great deal about increasing housing. If you could find a way to stop the state preservationists from stalling projects and creating constant roadblocks for reuse of old buildings in cities throughout Connecticut, the housing crisis would end quickly. You look at the Murray Building across the street from me here. It took 10 or so years, cost $9 million due to state preservationists. But when it's done, retail value, fully leased to the building, maybe $2 million. That housing just took too long to build. How many buildings in the state are like that? So kind of address the general picture of increasing housing in the state and what the best way to do it is. 
Well, I'll meet you halfway on that. I'm not interested in lowering standards, but I am interested in speeding up the regulatory process. I think Katie Dykes over at the environmental protection team has sped that up. Obviously, you had a one-off issue with this building, as I heard you correctly say, nine years. Um, It was ironic, uh, Wade, but um, I went to an affordable housing event uh, probably a year or two ago, and the uh, developer stood up and said, um, you know, Governor Lamont said, I may not get as much money for my project as I would have in years past, but I'll get it approved a lot faster, and I'll take that. And we have a ways to go, but we are making progress there. And the other question that he had for you, Tom DeVivo, our mayor, said, the state is a large user of everything, and I mean everything. What are your goals to use items made from the valuable resources found in the blue recycling bucket? I proposed several times the state committee to a 100% use of recycled products, and the state legislature talks, but the bureaucrats always push back due to higher cost. Recycling is so expensive as we created supply and limited demand, simple economics. So what can we do to make better use of our recyclables? I think we're making real progress there, Tom. I mean, um, right now, a lot of our... um, Waste stream, quote unquote, gets shipped out of state um, on our, um, you know, the old food and stuff that usually just gets tossed away. We're turning that into animal feed, and then in some cases also being able to create um, uh, energy out of it with the anaerobic digesters. And we're doing that uh, in the state level. Obviously, a lot of our farms are doing that, so that's another revenue stream for farms in terms of a uh, fertilizer. A lot of the waste they have there. You know, obviously, we've been recycling bottles for a long time. Cans, 98% get recycled and all reused. A plastic is an enormous problem, and that's a, a big focus because that right now does not get really recycled. It does get shipped out of state, and that's an environmental danger. And, of course, Saturday was Earth Day, and the mayor wants to know, what do you do to celebrate Earth Day on Saturday that maybe wasn't public? Did you drink water from a reusable glass? Did you buy an electric vehicle? What would you do? <laughs> I, I wish I could say something more noble, but um, I went with a, <clears throat> a few very close friends and took a very long walk at one of our beautiful parks. That's a good answer. Maybe a little rail trail action. That's thumbs up from me. Going back to something else that took place last week, the U.S. Supreme Court announced its decision to freeze lower court rulings that placed restrictions on medication abortions. Obviously, you and the lieutenant governor gave a thumbs up to that. Where do you see that going down the road, especially how it affects the state of Connecticut? Watch out. This is a really uh, slippery slope when it comes to taking away our rights, taking away women's rights, reproductive freedom. First, you had that Dobbs decision that took away that freedom in a lot of states, not in Connecticut. Um, uh, Your right to choose is fail-safe here. But then, unless the feds step in, and in this case, it was a a federal judge that said uh, we're going to outlaw uh, the medic, um, medicinal abortions across the country, including Connecticut. Fortunately, that was overturned. That did not stand, but um, it's a slippery slope. And thank God Attorney General Tong and Susan Beiswitz and I are taking the lead to make sure we push back there. We need our help from our federal delegation. Let's protect those freedoms. What was your take on the Appropriations Committee's fiscal year 2024-2025 spending proposal? And also about the pushback you've gotten to the overall budget picture from colleges, including UConn and Eastern. I think appropriations 
you know, did a very good job. Um, and pull the lens back just for a second, Wayne. <clears throat> Instead of talking about how much we have to raise taxes and how much we have to cut spending, which has been the norm in this state for the last generation, we're talking about how much we're going to cut taxes and how much uh, we're going to raise spending, uh, including for uh, UConn and our community colleges, CSU. Um, I, I think um, we've got a good budget in place. I think appropriations came forward with a, a reasonable step. And uh, now what we do, Wayne, is we wait to see what the revenue numbers look like coming in after April 15th. And if we have a little more room to maneuver there, we could do a little bit more maybe for the not-for-profits um, and, and even education. It, it's worth noting that, um, you know, the CSU system has had a 40% you know, increase over the last uh, four years. So we're talking about how much to increase. There are no cuts. Coming up after the news at the top of the hour, I'll be having one of our local historians, the great Bev York, who will be on. And one thing that's sweet on Bev York's agenda is cleaning up cemeteries. And a few weeks ago, you announced state grants to municipalities for maintenance of neglected cemeteries. And while I didn't see Wyndham Willimantic on the list, I did see Andover, Bolton, Canterbury, Chaplin, Columbia, Coventry and Mansfield and that long list of towns. So specifically, give me the background of that and what the grant money is designed to be used for. Look, I think uh, <clears throat> cemeteries are, are hollow ground, hollow ground, but also um, uh, they're a big part of our history. And um, just like I love taking a walk, uh, sometimes the cemetery tells a story about a community or a nation. So uh, they've been run down a lot uh, over the many years, so we thought we could just do a little bit more. What we've done over the last uh, few years for the veteran cemeteries in particular, I think, are very important when it comes to remembering those that gave their life to their country. Governor, great to catch up with you at the parade, at the Final Four. What do you say we do it again next year? Do it again next year. Hopefully see you. For the Boombox Parade. Thanks, Wayne. Looking forward to that. Always a pleasure to talk to our governor, Ned Lamont, here on 14 WILI, Willimantic and 95.3 FM.